Part of our algorithm that we built is audio data, non-audio data, and third-party enrichment data. So as we can start looking at the body and find correlation to the body, to the voice, to the emotion, then we'll be able to start predicting emotional patterns, therefore predicting different dis-ease in the body. That, that if, if you don't shift your emotional state, this is where this is where you're headed in your physical body. Now we already know in Eastern medicine, this is how they look at it. And Western medicine started to say, oh, it's interconnected. We don't want to interconnect it because it wasn't my profession. So we're just staying a linear look at our bodies and it's, it's actually hurt us, in, I think, in so many ways. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. Maya Angelou said, words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning. I don't know about you, but I have had conversations with people stepped away from the opportunity to chat someone and felt like I understood who they were, not necessarily by the words they said, but by the way they said them. One of the most powerful things about running podcasts and doing doing podcasts, it's now a verb, doing podcasts is, is having the opportunity to have conversation with people sometimes without the camera on. And while many people like it, when I turn the camera on, we can see each other's faces and, and run off the cues of what's happening to someone's eyes or eyebrows or mouth or nose or whatever. I actually found some of my most powerful interviews happened when neither of us had our camera on, when I was simply attuned to the nuance of their voice. Now it was harder to draw out emotion. And I would now argue it was harder to enable my guests to fake how they feel. But the power for me resided in the tiny, small changes in intonation, in tone, in cadence. I found it really hard to hide behind the facial visuals when the voice wasn't always telling the truth. And this had always been an observation of mine. Nothing I could quite knock down and like set in stone. It was, it was simply my, my feeling, my gut reaction. Well, my guest today has a technology that validates my gut reaction. Christy Holt is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Vibonics. And what Vibonics does is Vibonics quantifies our voice to give us insight into emotional intelligence. They use artificial intelligence and data points to help us understand through biofeedback of sorts exactly what is happening emotionally so that we can be aware and change it in the future. You know, part of this entire series where we are looking at the future of health and the future of medicine is enabling us to have these conversations around how technology is bridging the world of Western science and medicine with some of the Eastern observations. It's enabling us to start to quantify and understand literally at a quantum level at an anatomical level, what is happening through some of these historical observations that we have always had. We're really taking this idea of, oh, I have a hunch and I have a feeling, but I can't 
put it into science, we're now finding that we actually have the technologies that enable us to do it. So not only in this interview are we getting into the science of voice and frequency and vibration of voice and how this enables us to have artificially derived intelligence around emotion. But we also talk about Christy's journey as an entrepreneur. How did she build build this technology company with four kids at home? What is her history and journey as an entrepreneur with a young family? How does she find this balance between acting on her calling as an entrepreneur wanting to infuse influence and honoring her calling as a mother. It is a brilliant, well-rounded, full circle conversation. And it is honestly an honor to introduce you to my new friend, Christy Holt. Christy Holt, welcome to Impact. Hey, Megan, how are you? So happy to be here. I'm delighted to have the chance to talk to you. And and just so our listeners have, have context, Christy and I have been trying to connect for like six months now. And I have been hearing Christy's name for a long period of time. As people learn what I do, they're like, oh, this is amazing woman. You must connect with her. And we finally had the chance uh, a few weeks ago just to sort of sit down and, and learn uh, more about each other. And I had the pleasure to hear your story and your background. And Chrissy, I'm wondering if you could you could bring it to the forefront as we launch this conversation. Who are you and why are you so passionate about your latest endeavor? Oh, that's a really good question. Who am I? We probably don't have enough time. My shortest answer in that question is I am. And I know that dot, 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 I feel like I'm always defining that in many different ways. But for purpose of conversation, I am a wife of 17 years. I am a mother of four amazing kids that are ages 7 to 15. And I am an entrepreneur just at heart. I love figuring out cool ways in business to expand humanity. So those are the things I would say I love most about my life um, and the parts of me. And entrepreneurship is one of the greatest gifts I came on to when I was 21 years old. So, well, a little bit earlier, I would say you're either kind of born in that mentality or not. So I think I've been a little bit of a hustler since I was probably seven, but really started my first business when I was 21 and sold it when I was 26 and I was hooked. So there's a little bit about me. What's funny, because one of the questions I ask usually in the last part of the interview is entrepreneurship. Were you born this way or did you learn to become an entrepreneur? Let's go back to you being 21 and having this opportunity to sell your business at such a young age. What was, what was that business that you were having in your entrepreneurial infancy? Well, actually, I started in accounting and business management. And uh, I went to a a trip with a bunch of girls at Lake Powell. It's this beautiful place in Utah where everybody goes. And um, one of the girls said, Hey, we're not going to wear any makeup on this trip. And I was like, okay, cool. So I get there and they all had makeup on. But what I didn't realize <laughs> is it was like permanent cosmetics and like tattooed eyeliner and eyebrows. And they were all like, look like they were ready all the time. And I was like, whoa, that is amazing. And so I learned about permanent cosmetics on a random trip. And I have four sisters and I thought, I want to have permanent cosmetics. So I went home and I priced it out. And I was like, I actually should learn permanent cosmetics. I think I would actually be really good at it because I like, you know, details and intricate things. 
And so I found about six girls to pay me about $250 each so I could go pay for my course to learn how to do permanent cosmetics. And super random change because I was had nothing to do with the beauty industry up to that point. And I started to do permanent cosmetics and fell in love with the industry, fell in love with that time with women specifically, and started to do it out of a little 10 by 10 room at a tanning salon. And while I was there, I started saying, you know, I should probably think about this a little bit differently. What if I bought the tanning salon or figured out how to have more people doing this with me? And where else would I do permanent cosmetics that people would want to have the service? And I started learning about day spas. And so I thought I should probably open a day spa. And in the meantime, thought if I'm going to own a day spa, I need to know how much it costs to do products, what products day spa owners do or what products even happen at the day spa. So I went back to school and got my master aesthetics license while I was doing permanent cosmetics and building out my first business. That's how I got into the beauty industry. And I lived in that space and have been in that space ever since It's in some way. And so this, like when you say ever since, I I just want to like draw two contexts together because you mentioned in your beginning, you have four kids and I, I know your story. I know that like having those four kids and being in the beauty industry and where you are now, it wasn't like there was a 20 year break where you did the kids. Like you were legit handling this like passion for entrepreneurship and innovation while simultaneously raising a really young family. And before we even get into what you're doing now, like how, how did you do that? Like, how did you think about the family, like the family entity uh, and, and, and balance those two pieces in your own mind? Like there's the logistics, but then there's like, then there's the emotional balance between those two things. How did you do that? Well, that is a really good question. And I don't know that I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. So whatever that means, I've learned to give myself a lot of grace in this question and answer because I don't know that there's a right way or a wrong way or a way. It's just your way. So for me, I was a business owner, you know, all in my 20s. So I didn't start having a family until I was 30. And so I think I had a little bit like under my belt, I had I had built business, I had sold business, I had lost a business, I had learned so much of those hard knocks early in my 20s, that by the time I was pregnant, um, and by the way, it wasn't super planned. I think that that was God's way of saying, you can't plan this, but this is part of your calling. So we're just going to give it to you. Yes, I know how babies are made. But (laughs) (laughs) next question. Yeah. So um, I I was unexpected. I got pregnant. And at that time, I had just lost my second business. When I say lost it, I had to shut it down. It wasn't working well. It wasn't really penciling well financially. So we had to make a really hard decision to shut down a business. And that was really, really a crazy time of life. And then I found out I was pregnant. So at that time, I, well, let's see, I found, I I take that back. I found out I was pregnant in April, nope, in February. And then in April ended up shutting down the business and said, you know, things aren't going amazing anyway with this business. I think I'm going to give this mom thing a shot. So I ended up shutting down the business, getting married to my husband and moving to Las Vegas crazy times, crazy move, crazy decision. So motherhood just kind of was, it's time and it's happening. And I did always want children. I always wanted four. I always, I typically get what I want. 
and <laughs> started having a baby. And so I had my first baby when I was 30 and about 33, I was 30, let's see, 33. I had two kids. My youngest was six months old and I just had the itch of starting another business. So in the meantime, I... I thought I, you say of having another baby, but no, it's like truly <laughs> no. entrepreneurship. You're like, I had the new business baby itch. So good. I did. And do you know what's funny? Uh, just a funny story. I had my um, two-year-old and my newborn and I had started this home business of doing facials for all of these new moms so we could still like keep our sanity. So all of these new moms would come over and bring their babies and we put on like baby Einstein and let them all play and do their tummy time together while I did facials and waxes and airbrush tanning to all of the neighborhood women. So I feel like I filled my like my little hustle niche while being a mom, a young mom. It was it was actually a really fun time of life. I, I kind of actually love that, that balance. I talk a lot about how this, how we can have our cake and eat it too. And it doesn't mean that you have to be uh, the CEO of a tech company while you are raising your young kids. It's just about that, like create creatively being of service and, and finding, I mean, I feel like the earning piece is just kind of like the icing on the cake. It's just like, it's just, it's just a, it's just a scorecard for yourself as you're putting something out uh, into the world. So I love that. Fast forward, you are now the founder and CEO of a tech company. And this is where in the spirit of this series on the future of health, I want to start to go uh, deep. What is Vibonics? Okay, so Vibonics quantifies emotional intelligence, analyzing your voice frequencies. And it has by far been my most impactful company, I would say, for the masses and timing and what the world needs today, but also the hardest business I've ever done by far, like hands down, no questions asked. And we can get into as much of that as you want for other people that are either considering tech in tech or starting businesses and, you know, things I would want to know as an entrepreneur. I love, like I said, I love anything, anywhere we want to go with that. But this one definitely hits a passion project for me. In fact, two years ago, I negotiated and closed down four other companies in some way, just negotiated me out of them or, you know, um, gave up or negotiated my ownership or whatever I had to do to go all in on this tech company at the beginning of 2020. And then COVID hit. So that was fun. <laughs> I love I love the idea of going all in on a business at the beginning of 2020. It's like how horror stories are are written. <laughs> When you say you quantify emotional intelligence through voice, can mm -hmm. we go a little bit deeper on Absolutely. that piece? Because that sounds super cool. And then I naturally just want to go, well, like, how do you do that? And then as a founder and as the visionary, how do you see us applying this idea yes. and this quantification in the quote unquote real world? Okay. I love all these questions. Let's go back to how it works. I would love to say that the research and development came from me and, and I'm actually grateful to say it didn't all come from me. I found people in the world that cared about voice technology. And the reason I started caring about it is from definitely a personal space with uh, experiences that I was in personally with my husband going through his own depression and causing me to dig deeper into human behavior and why people do what they do. But I also think that's what I was attracted to in my 20s going into the beauty industry, studying 
humans and just listening and listening to their journeys and listening to their pains and listening to their sorrows, but also listening to their joys and learning why some experience certain level of joy and others don't. Um, That's always been the reason that the beauty industry was so profound to me is that time with people. So when I came into this space, when I heard that your voice is literally carrying your resonance of your energy systems inside of you, it, it was a mind blow for me. And something so profound told me that this was real. And so I needed to know more. What, what was that? What did I just hear? And who and how can I hear about this more? So I started researching in the world who was connecting voice technology to anything to do with your overall well-being of the body, of the mind, and of what well, I would say the soul, which is where we really tap into emotion. And I found a doctor in over in Holland who had started to take the research from Geneva in Switzerland and putting it into understanding these energy systems within the body that are obviously connected to your organs. So it's the metaphysical connected to the physical. And through studying his work, I understood the interconnection of the body, mind, and soul, um, or what I would say, even body, mind, and emotion. And went into a blender for about two years because <laughs> I was like, what do you do with this? And how do, and who cares? And how do you help people with this information? And in the meantime, I had no idea what I was doing in technology, nor did I even know that I was looking at a technology company in the beginnings of it. I thought I was looking more at a coaching company, how we could use what he was doing and bring it into a coaching system. And had a whole team around a coaching system. And what were we coaching? We were coaching on emotions and mindset. That's really the direction we started going. And then in 2019, for me, the visionary and seeing where we were going, I felt like a coaching company was not the right direction. And so half my team left because they really wanted to be part of this coaching. And what I envisioned was a technology that could help every modality out there not just the modality that we would create in this system that we would certify people in, but how could this type of information make a bigger impact? And so I kept hearing in my mindset that we were a tool, not necessarily a whole program. So with that mindset and moving that direction, I realized that in the US, I couldn't take this. And I had two different products I was working with, one out of Holland and then one out of Israel. It was also detecting emotion in the voice and how different and vastly different that they were. But that their data combined could help me understand, you know, what are the gaps? So in 2020, that's when I started fundraising and how could I get more research and development into this product and kind of got my ass kicked. Do you really want to know? I do really want to know. Everybody was like, do you own your IP? Do you have an algorithm? What's yours? Can you prove it? And who cares? And I was like, oh, man. So I had this incredible mentor group tell me, Christy, go get your own IP, get your proof and build your own algorithm. And I was like writing all this down. I was like, what What are they talking about? I need to go figure out more. So... I did. I went and took all of our data, took it to a data scientist and said, is this real? Does this actually work? And and can we quantify what I want to claim that we can quantify? They were extremely skeptical 
and said, nope, we actually, and in fact, Harry was on that journey. He was on your, he's on your pot. He was on that journey with me as well. And it, and I had him look at the data and he's like, Christy, this, I don't think you have a there there. And I was like, man, I really respect him. So I was like, oh, great. So what did I do? I'm like, I got to gather more data and go and um, see how much data do we need until we get it there there. And so ended up taking it to a data scientist and again, very skeptical of voice technology and especially emotional sentiment through the voice. And he came back with all the data. He goes, hey, we found a there there. So let's see, but, but there's some gaps. So we sat down, we're like, okay, what are the gaps? And when I talk about a there there, it's like, if we say that there's anger, we better know that there's anger, right? Because if we're going to even talk about emotion, how do we get there? Why are we finding this and how can we prove it? And so that's, that's essentially what we've done over the last two years is continually collected data um, and created an incredible algorithm to prove that there is um, accuracy that we can claim and patent it, copyright it. And then our goal as a company, and this is what aligns with my values most, is to reflect it back to the users so users can understand their emotional intelligence, see it, quantify it, and improve it. And I think that that's really what, well, I I know that's the vision of Vibonics is to take our algorithm and help users increase emotional intelligence. And not just understand emotional intelligence and what it is, but actually learn it, improve it, and apply it to their daily life. So that's kind of been our journey of technology. Um, Two years ago, I didn't even know what half those words meant. Four years ago, for sure, had no idea what I was doing, but crazy enough to try. And here we are. Are there patterns in people's voices that you you now know from your own data that are indicative of certain states? Like, Can you listen to someone's voice and be like, they are depressed and don't know it or wow they're like such a happy person like what what are what are some of those like what, what are you looking for when you're able to now do that okay so what's cool is we're all we're all able to do what our algorithm does especially if we're aware of it so i'll give you an example because it's not so much it is hearing it in someone's voice but what we're detecting is what you sense like in resonance right so we can measure it through resonance in the body and then how the body is is projecting that resonance. So for example, have you ever walked in to your husband and you're like, hey, honey, how was your day? And he was like, fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hear the word fine. And that would normally like in a vocabulary mean like everything's good or everything's okay, right? But you felt like, oh, what happened? What's going on? Like I can feel something and you didn't say it, but I can feel it. So let's talk about what's not being said. So that's what we're measuring in the algorithm. And then what we're helping reflect back to the user is to trust that, that what you're feeling and what you're sensing is actually speaking louder than what you're saying. And we're just measuring it through that resonance. And is that tone or intonation? Like when you say resonance, like what, what ingredients of, of speech are you, are you actually quantifying? Okay, so tone is part of it. For example, um, in a lot of our pilots, they're like, so if I get on and I, I, and I have a happier tone, but if you can still hear my voice, like I can show you a happy tone, but you can still hear that baseline that doesn't change. Right. So that baseline is what we're measuring. Can you trick yourself into being a happier person by changing your tone? 
Well, yeah. But would you get better at practicing a happier tone? And would you actually feel happier if you had a happier, a happier tone? Well, the answer is yes. But most people aren't aware of that happy or sad tone. And so they're just kind of letting it come out without the awareness. And then, but if you became more aware of that, would you hear in your own voice a happier tone? So we are measuring tone. Um, we are also, but it's a multi-faucet measurement. So it's like multi-axis measurement within the voice. But the answer is yes, tone and intonation is part of it. But it's so much more than that. We're measuring the frequency and frequency is what carries information. Um, and we're also able to measure like control, how much control you have and how much you're actually expressing emotion. So that also comes into play with the whole idea of emotional intelligence. I'm super excited to see what happens with your research. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, I don't know how to make this a question. You know, as a clinician, I think about, I think about like that, that throat chakra and thyroid and the intersection of some of these energetic vibrational bioenergetic modalities that we talk about. And then over here, this like pathogenic model of care. And traditionally, we have a really hard time drawing any kind of linear association between the two of those things. Our, our pathogenic model is like, you have a thyroid issue, it has nothing to do with your chakra. And then our energetic people are like, uh, your throat chakra is messed. And pe- like, people don't know how to reconcile these two verticals of care and healing and insight. Are, are you going to do that? Can you do that? I'm watching your phases. You're saying this. You're like, stop talking, Walker. I want to like, I got something here. I love it. No, I love what you're saying because you're already intuitively putting it together. And I think a lot of the people in the Western world are starting to go, wait a minute, there's something here. For example, I can quantify my emotional expression and sometimes it's actually low. Well, guess who has thyroid issues? Okay. So where did that come from? Like where, and by the way, he's also a middle child. I mean, you can start to look at all of the pieces. Do middle children have more thyroid issues than other children? Well, yeah, you can go look at some research on that or just some fun research that people didn't know why, because they aren't the ones in the family that typically used their voice, right? And the energy of that middle child. So there's so many correlations of studies that we absolutely want to start bringing into our database. For example, we can measure um, part of our algorithm that we built is audio data, non-audio data, and third-party enrichment data. So as we can start looking at the body and find correlation to the body, to the voice, to the emotion, then we'll be able to start predicting emotional patterns, therefore predicting different dis-ease in the body. That, that if, if you don't shift your emotional state, this is where, this is where you're headed in your physical body. Now, we already know in Eastern medicine, this is how they look at it. And Western medicine started to say, oh, it's interconnected. We don't want to interconnect it because it wasn't my profession. So we're just staying a linear look at our bodies. And it's, it's actually hurt us, in, I think, in so many ways. So when we start to look at the body more interconnected and how can we bring in different methodologies to look at the body that way? Yeah, I, 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 that's where I get excited. Where do you see the future of health starting to go? Where do you think in 25, 30, 40 years we're going to be as we start to see more technologies such as yours? What do you think is possible for us? Oh, that's such a loaded question because I want to say like what I know where we are and why where we are doesn't work. 
and then take us to why I think where we're going is working. You know, I've gone pretty far in the medical industry to learn that if we don't have a diagnosis and therefore we don't have a prescription, then therefore insurance doesn't pay for it, then you're not part of that system. And that system is unfortunately the system that's running the show right now, um, which I love um, functional medicine. And I love where so many people that want to become doctors are starting to say, wait a minute, we're not healing. We're just treating symptoms. We're not actually helping people heal and take care of themselves. So I think COVID was such a blessing in a lot of ways because people are challenging this system that we've been told is the truth, right? And so people like us and people in innovative functional medicine are looking at how looking outside that system and creating our own systems and the masses are starting to listen, which I think is so cool. So what I love about technology and AI is we're able to find things faster and better than the human mind, right? And I think at at speeds that our body is interpreting data. So I think we're all little walking AI systems. And now our technology in real life 3D world is catching up to our 5D experience of our bodies and our interconnection of self. In 25, 30 years, I really think, I think, I think technology is going to help us remember the power within. I really resonate with that because the thing that I, I feel as you were talking, the AI doesn't come to the science with the same bias that we do. It comes to it just looking at the data. Objectively. Right. And now how we interpret that and how we share that and how we disseminate that information and, and how we create um, elevations and stratify the importance of that information, that's going to be on us as leaders to make sure that we're not bringing that bias uh, to the table. But I am really excited about where I, AI can go. I was talking to someone the other day who you know, used to go to the dermatologist once a year for a skin condition. And she said, I would be there for a day. And you'd have all these people who would be looking at my skin, looking for like changes in these moles. But she's like, to be honest, like this random woman can't look at hundreds of my moles. And then a year later, detect any of those changes. Like that's just beyond human capacity. She's like, now I just lie down and the machine doesn't. And it can quantify where these changes have taken place. So there's, there's so many neat elements of how these these pieces of technology are going to be able to advance care both on the on the preventative and predictive side um, but also as you speak to this this idea like emotional intelligence and enabling people to understand that and how that impacts their quality of life that's the quality of life technologies that I'm like super excited about it's the same conversation that I had. Uh, that I had with Harry about his technologies. It's the quality of life that it brings to the table and it makes it more accessible for people. And so on that notion of accessibility, how do people access your technology and how do they take that awareness and then use it to change how they engage in their world? Okay, that is such a good question. Before we do that one, can I go back to something that you said? 100%. So, you know, it's our responsibility to bring things forward that have true impact and help, right? As we look at these different technologies, to me, the responsibility that we can have and why I like emotional intelligence, probably one of the great, to me, it's one of the greatest things that we can return or help humanity remember. 
So for me, bringing it back to ourselves instead of something outside of you, I think that, I mean, to me, that's why I care so much about emotional intelligence. It's, it's about you being more aware and smart about yourself, where I think that's the profound responsibility that we have in the medical field or in smart tech or in um, it just as, as a human, as humanity in leadership roles and leadership positions is to bring us back to ourselves. I think we've got so far away from that, that we think everything is outside of us. You know, our validation of who we are, our happiness of what we are and who and what we experience, you know, just our daily, um, our daily influence is all outside of us. And we forgot that this life experience is for you. And so why I love emotional intelligence is it brings you back to you. And then from that space, you can create anything. You can heal, you can empower, you embody. I mean, to me, those are the most powerful words. You can maintain your power. Um, those are the most powerful words that we could hold in our responsibility to help humanity. So I just wanted to say that. I love it. Um, about why I care so much about the emotional side of things. Because when we uh, ignore, suppress, and avoid emotion, we are ignoring, suppressing, and avoiding our ability to live. And uh, we're here to live. We're here to experience. And all of these emotions are for us to experience. They are not who we are. And so, but that experience is what makes us feel alive. So to kind of go back to your question about how do we access this? Well, this is Vibonics 2.0 that we're launching um, here at the end of the month. And Vibonics 2.0 is all about emotional intelligence. We've been collecting a lot of data on emotional well-being, but there's so many um, different factors of that that come into play. So it brings a little bit of that subjective view into a very objective AI. So we decided that's not, you know, that's where we've been playing for about a year and testing it in the market. So we decided to clean all of that up, make it completely objective in emotional intelligence that you can learn, improve, grow, and reflect. Um, and that that's coming out here at the end of the month. So you can access it on our website, but we are a B2B. Our goal is to bring this impact to people that are helping people because we don't want technology. Technology is not the cure-all, Right. People using technology to help and influence other people is. So our goal is to work with practitioners, coaches, um, HR executives, wherever people that are helping people can access this tool and start talking about like your emotional intelligence score. So we work with businesses directly today and businesses that work with consumers. Um, so if you're a business, go to our website. We'd love for you to come and give it a try. Um, and then if you are a consumer, um, hang tight, <laughs> you're not our <laughs> hang tight. <laughs> Ooh, that was a really good way to say that. Thank you so much. Um, but people that are passionate about people, we also made it very cost affordable. So I will say if you're a mom with four kids and you want to increase your own emotional intelligence and teach emotional intelligence to your kids and have them all have the same experience, you are a person helping person. We want to work with you. If you have influence of a school system, if you have influence of, so our goal is Vibonics is to get emotional intelligence access to everyone. 
I love this, Christy. It's a pretty amazing technology. I mean, as a as a clinician and then as someone who works with teams of clinicians, like the applications in my mind are are endless, which is why I'm really excited to be able to continue this conversation. I also feel like this is a perfect spot in this interview for us to transition the nature of our questions to something I call our impact ingredients. So these are just a series of quick questions so we can get some insight into who you are. And my first question is, when you need it at a moment's notice, how do you cultivate courage? Uh, breathe. What is your motivational beverage of choice? Coffee. <laughs> What's the biggest non-negotiable for you in your life? Family. And last question. What do you want your legacy of impact to be? Self-awareness. Christy Holt, you are amazing. Such a gem. So courageous to bring this type of technology to the world. I know it has not been easy. Where can we send people to follow along in your journey as you change the level of awareness that we all bring to the table as humans? Thank you so much. LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. If you want to get to know me, follow me as a person and follow Vibonics. Um, and where we're going. I'd love to see you on LinkedIn. Come be friends. I love my LinkedIn crew. Um, and then of course our website, if you want to try the product for yourselves, but LinkedIn's going to be where we would, where we could be friends. Amazing. We will hook everybody up in our show notes. So you can find a Christy. You can find those at meganwalker.com forward slash a podcast. Christy Holt. Thanks for being with me. Thank you so much, Megan. Keep changing the world and impacting lives everywhere. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact. Impact.